Welcome back to Stories Out of Time and Space. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and as always, I'm joined by Julian Darius. Julian, how are you doing? You okay? I'm doing uh, just fine. I don't think I want to eat chicken for a while. How are you? Yeah, not so bad. I think, I think uh, yeah, yeah. But bacon's not been on the menu this week. Um, slightly put off. Um, but we're starting a new thing. We're, we're an inter-season specials. We've done... Other things in the past, we've done something like we did a whole Red Dwarf, we did Westworld and Doctor Classic Doctor Who, and um, it does seem like this is a bit of a mix because we've gone like British and American and British. This is a mixture of both now. So it started British, was mm. then purchased by Netflix, and had much more American influences. And so you will we'll see that I think across this. We're doing Black Mirror, um, and we're not even going to be skimping. This isn't like oh, we're going to talk about a whole season. Like each of these stories are so different. This is an anthology show. We're going to do everything. This is going to be a long one, but we are going to try and do. We are going to do every episode of Black Mirror individually. Now these will be shorter episodes, but still, we will get into it. And we're going to start at the beginning, end at the end, including hopefully the latest season that will drop on Netflix. Um. But before By we the start, time this comes out. <laughs> yes, hopefully. Yeah, by the time this comes out, and we get to it. So, but before we start with the actual episodes, because we're going to be starting with the national anthem, which was released in December fourth of December, twenty eleven. Fourth December being my birthday. Um, but I just want to talk about two things. Um, firstly, the title "Black Mirror" um, and what that means, um, and also sort of like. One of the things I think that will be interesting is me. This is from like this is you know written by uh, Charlie Brooker. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he's, yeah, and and then who's you know comes with a British sensibility, and then so it's interesting to sort of hear from your point of view, Julian, for how this you came across this from an American point of view. But let's start there because obviously my coming across this was it was on Channel Four. It was promoted quite heavily. The first episode, the national anthem, was was kind of a big deal. Um, it was discussed in Parliament. It was it was on the headlines. It was quite important. So, um, you know, a lot of people knew about this TV show. What about yourself? How did this come across in the States? Um, I don't think anyone I knew had ever heard of this until it was on Netflix. Mm. Um, I'm sorry to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think that it was once it was on Netflix that it became the series that everybody had to see. Mm. Um and so it moved for the third season and the third season came out and the first two migrated over to Netflix. And then it was like, oh, you know, you've really got to see this. This is this is amazing. And it has kind of continued that cachet to this day. Um, I don't even know. You know, I mean, I, I, I guess it just didn't register until it became an American thing. 
Mm. Well, Netflix gives it that much, much larger audience. Um, but here's and this is but this is the irony of all this, and this is often the case. We've talked about this with films um, like uh, Battle Royale, which decry violence but then display awesome examples of violence for film. Um, the Black Mirror of the of the title is supposed to be the the offsetting of your device, your phone, your tablet. That is the Black Mirror. That's what Charlie Brooker was also referring to. So in those early days, this this show was about the use of technology, um, and it grows into other science fiction and sort of satirical stories. But the, that black mirror is your laptop screen, your computer screen, your your tablet screen, your mm-hmm. phone screen. That's the black mirror that is looking back at you. And I think that plays out very heavily in these first three episodes of the of the first season. Um, but the irony being, of course. This went to a streaming service, which is available on your phone, your tablet, your laptop, as well as your television. Um, and so it's it's interesting how those sort of things play out. But the thing that he is kind of, and he does get to these sort of things, is is kind of sort of you know raging against is the thing that's actually funding him in the end. Yeah, and you know we'll we'll see some of the same ironies uh, mm. come out later in the show. Um, yeah, and I think that. The thing that I hear most of all is uh, complaints that more episodes don't come out faster. Um, and, you know, this is also, if you want to talk British versus American thing, this is also a British versus American thing. We used to have, you know, 30 episodes of a show a year, right? We settled <laughs> yeah. into 20. Now the even the major networks tend to produce 10 or 12, um, you know, which is more cable influenced. But obviously like the idea that you have to wait four years to get a batch of five episodes is intolerable to Americans (laughs) (laughs) Um, and and perfectly normal for you guys. Yeah. Oh no, this is the kind of thing. I mean, we're we're very much used to six, six episodes is a typical sort of um, series as we would call it. Um, You know, um, you think about, uh, Faulty Towers has only got twelve episodes, thirteen episodes. That's like that's two series, you know. And you mm-hmm. think, oh, like things ran for years. You go, oh, this show ran from um, nineteen eighty four to nineteen ninety four, and you go, oh my god, there must be like hundreds of episodes. You go, no, you know, probably about forty, if that. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a British versus American thing. And we, I think we are kind of used to it. Um, and I think the quality in this, mm. um, you, the budget requires it, and I think that's just part and parcel. But I also think, like with Charlie Brooker, like you know, he's looking to write solid material. Like it doesn't feel rushed. I think is the point as well. Yeah, and we have done the Twilight Zone, yeah, um, and have experience now thinking about a sort of sci-fi anthology series. Um, Obviously, to do that kind of thing today, you do need more time. You do need um, to have more of a concern for quality than you would back in the 60s, right? Yes. Where this was just put up and it was a half hour show and, you know, you're lucky if it's rerun once. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no real expectation of it doing much more than that. Um, now these things live forever. It's a very different world. And, and I think the expectation this sort of quality versus quantity formula um, is completely inverted, right? Mm. And, and and that's 
good, right? Because mm. quality is what matters now. It's better to have fewer things and more, um, despite the Americans' gripes, than yeah. it is to uh, well, crank them out 60s style. Yeah, but I also think that that thing of you know leave them wanting more is probably a part part of its appeal, isn't it? Like you know, getting some new episodes is somewhat special, mm. so it's going to be received. Um, you know, it'll, it'll do well for Netflix, as it were. Um, it was interesting that obviously we know this is that it's now on Netflix. That's what season six is going to be. Um, but this, it should be noted, started on Channel Four, which was known to be sort of like the Rebel Channel. Um, at the time, to 20, 2011, um, this was. Yeah, no, we had five channels at this point. Like we had some satellites, Sky and thing, but terrestrial channels was five. So four was known as the rebellious one. Uh, Channel five was known as the trashy one. Um, that's sort of sort of how it was. Um, so yeah, but th- this was a real hit for them. Like they were doing this kind of thing really in in, in this period. Like there was a um, was it called Dead Set? They did like a zombie thing as well that sort of took the Mickey out of their Big Brother and um couple of things like well, that so i mean probably it was the controversy over the show and how much attention it got that helped it get the netflix yes uh, special or uh, the netflix buyout yeah um yeah no it's just so yeah so it's, it's, it's got some sort of pedigree in that sort of states but anyway, let's jump in we are going to talk about the first episode we're starting at the beginning uh the national anthem um which aired in on 4th december 2011 um better known as uh, the one where the Prime Minister diddles a pig. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that, sorry. But just in a nutshell, uh, yeah, a young princess um, of the royal family is kidnapped and a, I don't know what to call it, a threat, uh, ransom is put online using YouTube, uh, a video of her saying that she will be returned safely if uh, the Prime Minister, Michael Callow, um Basically, fox a pig on live television. This is in a nutshell, and then it basically follows up to the time in which he basically cons- uh, consummates the act, um, and it sort of then revealed that she was released half an hour before the act started, um, and that sort of it just follows that tension. So, what what are your first thoughts then, Julian, about this episode, the national anthem? Um, I think this is actually the weakest episode of the season, mm-hmm. um, yeah, which, which is not fair, you know, to to look forward. But, uh, you know, I think this is the most memorable. I mean, it's one that everybody remembers from the show, right? Yeah. Um, you can see why, especially in Britain, you know, you'd start with this for all the headlines and everything. But, um, yeah, you know, it's one idea and it's and it really is not science fiction at all. Um, there's no real interesting idea here except what would the prime minister do in response to a terrorist demand Um, and kind of watching that play out over the course of 45 minutes. Um, That's interesting. I don't really believe any of how it plays out. Um, I'm really bothered by some of the assumptions it makes um, about how the system works and how the public thinks. Um, and also how relationships work in the end. But at the end of the day, it's an entertaining 45 minutes. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely the. I agree, it's the weakest of the three, uh, and I also can see why it was chosen to be the the first one because you see it's so memorable as a as a hook, isn't it? That's the point. Um, as a marketing thing of like, this is what we're going to be showing you from the off. Um, I think the, th- the thing is, this this doesn't have a great science fiction um, theme or, or hook, but it does get to very quickly that point of what I think Black Mirror is trying to get to as its crux, as its whole thing, is this idea of the dissemination of, of, of information and things. Um I mean, you know, this includes a video being posted onto YouTube and then it, it goes on about sort of social media trending and, and how people are perceived. I mean, that's one of the big things for the prime minister is like how people will see him. Um, and it's, it's it's made quite clear that this isn't just about the vote. This is about being seen as, I don't know, a certain kind of man um, and how opinions can change very, very quickly. Um so I don't know. It's it sort of has yeah. points, but I, yeah, I don't think it's um, I don't think it's as it's 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 it almost feels like this was an initial idea that Brooker had, um, and then that was sort of like his starting point. And they were like, okay, well, it's an easy one to do. The budget's going to be kind of low for it. Let's do that one first. Almost like a pilot. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, it has that kind of feel to it. Um, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, it has the thing that I like a lot, which is sort of one idea, and then you follow that idea through, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of um, do that and get an excellent show. And often, the things that we object most to in shows are that they don't really follow through on the repercussions and ramifications of their idea. This does. Um, I just don't always buy all of those repercussions and ramifications. Um, So it's kind of charming to see it, you know, follow through almost in real time, you know, right? (laughs) Uh, You know, basically one day um, as the government has to respond to this. But yeah, I don't know. It feels oddly over underwhelming, right? Yeah. Um, and and I think so much of it is just the shocker element of it, right? Like when when the PM gets in the room with a pig and is looking awkward to the camera and speaking awkwardly, you have that sense of like, I can't believe I'm watching this that you're supposed to have mm-hmm. um, as somebody in the audience uh, in the fictional world too. And I think that works, but it seems like so much of the episode is based on that moment. Yeah. The thing is as well is what it it's what it boils down to and I think this is where the the I have one of the bigger problems of this episode is the princess is let out early and then even his sort of deputy or his minister or whatever says oh they were making a statement. It's just a statement and you're like cool. What was the statement? Like it's just a humiliation. It's just a possibility. You go okay. Well, these no demands were really met. No, um, it, it didn't seem. You know, it's it's identified that the person that did it is an artist. I think that's sort of you know mm-hmm. obviously the the heavy insinuation. So is this supposed to be an art piece? In which mm-hmm. case, like, what is the purpose of it? Like, it, it's 
You know, yeah. I, I don't want them what's to take the credit. Statement? Yeah, what's the statement mean? Like, what is the point of it? And and that's sort of what bothers me a little bit. I, I like the idea that it's a performance art piece. I mean, I, mm. it, it sort of reminds me of Jack Nicholson in in uh, Batman, a sort of, you know, murderous performance art. You can kind of justify anything by saying it's somebody <laughs> doing performance art. Um, I kind of dig that in a way. Um, but but even there, I don't there's so much that I don't buy. I don't buy that a prime minister would ever do this. No. I just don't buy that. Um, that's not going to happen. And I think especially in Britain, which is, you know, more repressed than we are, if that's humanly possible, about sexuality. Right. Um, yeah. You know, well, the last thing that a prime minister is going to do is have sex with a pig on live television. Well, the thing is, it's, it, yeah, you could you say about this follows through on, on the ramifications. It, it sort of does for the personal bits and stuff, but it, it becomes unbelievable when like the queen rings mm. him and says, you know, we believe, you know, we understand you will, you will do whatever it takes to get, to get princess Sophie back, whether princess Susan, Susanna back. And again, I'm like, this feels really, um, contrived in a sense because mm -hmm. it's like that thing of going okay well he's forced into a no-win position but what it is is again it's that thing if you don't negotiate with terrorists well all right, what's to say mm -hmm. that the next one then is that you know princess susan has kidnapped and it says right well now the queen has to <laughs> you know go on national television and be diddled by a dog like how is it different like <laughs> Now, now that's one that I could stand behind. Um, <laughs> you know, no, I I know exactly what you mean. There's a reason why we don't negotiate to with terrorists, and obviously, there is a total justification, you know, to be able to say that. And I think that when it comes to terrorist threats and threats on the nation, and you know, whether it's knife attacks over there or you know. Um, terrorist threats over here you know the train you know the plane bomber and mm. you know things like this the public generally gives governments a wide berth in how yeah. they deal with this um and is generally very understanding perhaps too much um including of basic errors that have been made by the government uh errors in strategy errors you know of every sort that we say well they were trying their best right um I can't believe, first of all, I can't believe that, you know, that it starts off only 25%. They have this instant polling. I guess that's part of the black mirror point, yeah. you know, of, of how susceptible governments are to this. But I, I don't believe that once they discover this attempt to do a deep fake, um, that that would swing the, uh, the British population the exact other way. 75% would be in favor of, I mean, you would be irresponsible not to try to do a deep fake. I mean, you know, I don't, how does the guy, how does the perpetrator know that? My objection to that ending of her being released 30 minutes ago is, correct me if I'm wrong, but she's found collapsed on Millennium Bridge. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've been on Millennium Bridge. I've walked Millennium Bridge. It's next to everything. Yeah. You can walk the length of it, you know, in 10 minutes or something. I mean, why would she how she how was where was she released that nobody found her for 30 minutes 
Well, th- this is yeah, and this that thing isn't it? It says oh, well, they must have re- he released him at the time. He, everybody was at somewhere watching a, mm. um, you know, watching a screen to see this happen. So there was nobody about. All right, it's slightly different, but I, you know, that we had the king's coronation here very recently. I can guarantee you, not everybody was out was sat at home. Like the streets were not empty. Like I was out and about for a start. Um, <laughs> right, like, there would have been pe- there would have still been people about, but not only would there have been people about, um, you know, possibly a much smaller volume of people, but in a case like that you would have an increased police presence out in the streets going, right, well, we don't know where she's going to be released, but we don't know what's going on. This could actually cause some disquiet because of the humiliation mm-hmm. of this act. Um, we need an increased police presence. So, yeah, it all feels very silly at the end, in all honesty. Um, but th- this comes to my other point about the person who gets kidnapped. And again, it's very British, but this Princess Susanna... You know, they call her the people's princess. They're obviously playing on sort of like, you know, Diana tropes. And um, we haven't really had anyone since that. But like, you know, there's other young princesses involved, like Beatrice and Eugenie and a few others. Like, But the fact it's a royal, again, if this had been a regular girl, a young woman, mm. but like a non-royal, just a normal woman would that have been different and that's where i'm sort of like making it a royal feels like a cop-out in what way a cop-out because then you can get the queen call yeah yeah there's there's additional authoritarian um pressure to follow through um and it so it feels that sort of thing of like well you know if anything I'll, the this would divide the British public because there'd be a whole hell of a people going like no like we do not cow down to terrorists and right you know sod the royal family, um, yeah which is basically my my standpoint, um you know I I don't like you know I you know you can negotiate with terrorists but I, I but I certainly don't like um. You know, I, I have very mixed views about even my government getting these hostages back mm. um, where, you know, including with Russia, it's clearly caused Russia to take additional hostages yeah. in real time. I mean, you know, we're watching the stupidity of, you know, negotiating with terrorists in real time. So, I mean, for me, as a, as a Yank watching this, the idea that this is this royal princess um you know, this duchess of, of whatever. Um, first of all, that's kind of abstract to us, you know? Um, <laughs> that's all sort of like, oh, right, those people exist still, right? Like, that's something from medieval fairy tales. That's yeah. not, you know, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, there are these titles, but why would the government stop? She's basically a celebrity, right? Yeah. She, yeah. she has no function. Um, you know, she's a celebrity, how, you know, how is this different than, you know, uh, you know, kidnapping Julia Roberts or something? You know, well, I think the, the difference is, although you say she's a celebrity, and that is the case. It's the fact that she's part of the institution. Um, and she's a well-liked member of the institution. And that's important for the royal family. Okay, what they say, you know, how it's perceived, having a well-liked member of the royal family by the public is important. 
because other members of the royal family aren't liked by the the public. So you need for every Prince Andrew, you need a Prince William, you know, or a you know a Kate and Wills kind of thing. Like mm. you need yeah, that, and I think, but I think that's the point is we have the royal, and I think even in the last ten years, like this two thousand eleven, I think things have shifted even in the last decade. But I think at this point, um. We were coming up to. Don't forget, we were coming up to another jubilee at this point in release yeah. in this in release of this. So patriotic monarchist sentiment would have been a bit higher. This idea of the royal family mm. being threatened would have been quite. Yeah, I think people would have been upset about it. Yeah, I I, I guess. Um, and and I can kind of understand that as an abstract, right? I mean, it's the same way that I can kind of understand, you know, in a sci-fi setting, like oh. Everybody's concerned about Princess Leia, right? Mm. Um, you know, but it's abstract. Uh, it's not something that I understand, nor do I think at this point in my life I want to understand. Um, you know, the the most amazing thing you say about how having a member of the royal family being liked um, is a big deal and, and really matters, I guess, especially to them. <laughs> um, it's amazing, given that fact, how thoroughly unlikable the Brit- the British royal family manages to be at all times. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> I, like you know, if, for some, for a group so concerned about PR, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, um, maybe spend a minute talking to PR experts and actually, you know, changing your life from being disgusting people. Yeah. Um, I, I don't I don't understand that, but I guess that's what happens when you have authoritarianism and, and people can do whatever they want. Some people are liked and listen more, and some people say, you know, as you'd say, sod it. Yeah, I, I think that's a big part of this is that thing of the influence of the person being kidnapped. I mean, I I think there's a more interesting story here if it had been a regular person. Hmm. Um, really sort of like, you know, because this thing of having the, the authoritarian uh, pressure is one thing, but you know, it's just, it's just instead of Princess Susanna, it's just Susanna from, um, you know, Basingstoke, right? It's just some woman who's been kidnapped, and right, okay, well, how does he handle yeah. that? You know, because that, that, that's when you sway opinion. Oh, he's actually willing to sacrifice one of the regular folk. Oh, my God. You know, he said he calls himself the Prime Minister of the People, but he's willing to sacrifice this poor woman who's got a family and kids and stuff. Like, that would have been more interesting. Well, so I, I think that's fascinating. And, you know, of course, that gets to the heart of, I think, one of the sort of incongruities or, or things that upset me about this episode, um, you know, is that the the victim is somebody who I I don't understand why she's so beloved and mm. why you know hell and hell and earth is going to be moved heaven and earth is going to that's a freudian slip <laughs> heaven and earth is going to be moved to um to rescue her and as you say if it were i mean you know let's say that it's uh you know a uh, a um, uh, a muslim uh daughter uh, mm. from impoverished area uh on the outskirts of london we both know it's not even national news over yeah. there. Um, yeah, and that, but I think that would start to make a much more interesting story. Um, you know, looking at the diversity of Britain and stuff. Of, of yeah, you know, it's it's this like you say, a young Muslim girl that's been kidnapped and is under threat, and 
then in 2011 in particular, you know, after sort of years of the war on terror and all that sort of thing, how would the British Prime Minister deal with that? Um, see, I think that's more that's more about public opinion because then you can have this thing about, you know, you'd have all the things of the entrenched racism of the country versus the fact that we don't want we don't want to see, you know, a young woman hurt or like, you know, is, is he a man of the people? And I don't know, that feels way more... Um, you know, looking at this thing of of let's call it social media democracy in action would be a lot more. Um, I mm. think I think cutting. Um, but I mean, this one of the things this does show as well is is another thing of that I think this country is we export quite heavily is our press and how vile our press and intrusive our press can be um you know we've had like at least two hacking scandals where known newspapers mm. have, have hacked into people's phone including the royals um and in this obviously we have a newspaper they are issued with a d notice which will we will cover in a second um they then choose you know it's a voluntary d notice but they, they eventually choose to ignore it and then they follow things up and in doing so a journalist ends up sort of being at the site of a um, a potential break in a case where the SAS are right. sort of going and says and gets herself shot. And again, it's one of those where maybe as I'm older, like when she gets shot, I think you're supposed to be like shocked, like oh my god, this has happened. Now I'm like, yeah, it sort of serves you right. <laughs> it's your own fault. Um, you were chasing the story and not taking yourself and others safety into consideration kind of your own fault um i don't know what are your thoughts on the the press involvement yeah um i i i it, it was cutting out there a little so okay. i'm not sure i just heard you know you were talking about how she gets shot and then i heard mm. you know and when she gets and then so, it just got okay i mean it says 29 minutes uh when she gets shot, I mm-hmm. think it's supposed to come across as shocking to the audience. And I think when I watch this the first time around, you do sort of feel that a little bit. You go, oh, my God. Now I'm more inclined to think it's your own fault. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, where it's sort of like, well, you, yeah, you, you broke into this, into this incursion, this event, and now you're shot. I don't know. How do you feel about the press involvement in this? Yeah, I I think that it's very strange because, I mean, of the things I many things I probably don't understand about about Britain um, and life in England is what you're talking about. Because on the one hand, like okay, so an American press would there's no such thing as a D notice over here. Mm-hmm. The American press would never debate whether they're running this story yeah. or not, right? I mean, if Joe Biden called, um, you know, ABC and said, hold off on the story, please, um, you know, there are situations in which that would work in the midst of a military uh, attack, right? Yeah. Um, there are circumstances under which I think our press is very uh, cautious um and doesn't show say the raw footage of school shootings on you know and other things that they clearly have the right to do but that they choose not to 
Yes, and in a very oddly, you know, almost a stiff upper lip sort of, you know, repressed way that mm. I I find very irritating over here. But for the most part, the press would have run this story instantly if it were an American press. On the second hand, the press would never have gone in that building, yes. uh, you know, and never have run away from the American military. Um, so it's very strange that, you know, your version is both more compliant and subservient and also more illegal and obtrusive. Yeah, we are very, very complicated. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, when you mentioned that the D, the D notice, and this is an, an um, you know, quite a known thing, I think, really within the population, that we have these things that can be issued by the government that basically is like a bit of a press blackout. You know, yes, you have this thing, but you cannot talk about it. Um, and this one in this situation is a voluntary one, but I believe they can have an enforced one that can actually result in, like, you know, charges and prosecution and all kinds of things. So, yeah. Yeah, they, they can. This is a system you guys still have. And I had to research this for Miracle Man. It was Miracle Man uh, that first brought this to my attention. And when I looked this up, I thought, you're kidding me. Like, <laughs> this, this cannot. This is something straight out of 1984 or something. Like, there's no way that the government can issue a notice and then there's a press blackout on something with criminal penalties. Um, and that the press goes along with it. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And this is a real thing. Uh, I, it's flabbergasting. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying. We are quite yet. We will then literally use software to hack into celebrities' phones to read their emails and texts, and and then publish them. So, you know, but how is the same country that's known for a tab a tabloid press, the likes of which America, you know, with its muckraking journalism and its say anything and irresponsible spirit, you know, could never dream of, you know. Um, <laughs> You know, just a level of tabloid schlock and and disgusting stuff um, has a culture of that. Also, it's like, oh, well, you know, we have this authoritarian D notice. Let's comply to it. It's very hard to get my mind around. Yeah, it depends on what day of the week it is as to what we do. <laughs> I swear. I don't know. It's, it's, it is confusing. It's very strange. Um. But yeah, that's how our press can be. I mean, it's you know we we have had this where you know we will have um, exposes like big stories that are breaking about very 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 important people or you know big companies or whatever. But then we also have people that sort of like leave, you know, a newspaper or leave or retire from journalism to then openly talk about the stories that they weren't allowed to discuss and stuff and you're like oh wow so there's a lot going on behind the scenes yeah um, this is this is one thing that's very strange and you know it's also true that um it's also true that legally i believe you can't run stories about cases currently in process yes well you can but like literally to say the case is being investigated <laughs> That's, right. So that's like over it. here, we have everything. Everything is transparent over here, right? By comparison, it's like you guys have these webs of things you can't talk about. And, you know, whether it's just, you know, nobody talked about what that that uh, 
you know, uh, host was doing on the BBC or, um, you know, there's a D notice officially or, you know, or not, or um, it's, a, it's a case in progress. As, yep. You know, over here, it's like, well, Monica Lewinsky identified uh, a blue spot on the right of the president's penis. <laughs> like, here's an artist depiction, you know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, it, okay. Here's the other thing, then, just to sort of to throw that in. So, um, in America, you know, if, if you've ever watched a true crime documentary, you have footage of you know there'll be someone taken to the dock in the in the, the orange jumpsuit and in cuffs, or you'll see the court case being played out. You know, there's all this other stuff. We are not allowed in this country, so it's, it's illegal to have photography or any video footage of. Um, a court case uh, because it's considered, you know, they might video or take something that then is in private hands. <clears throat> so we still have what they call courtroom artists. Mm -hmm. So if you ever look at British news and it could be an absolutely sort of like um, high profile, you know, massive court case. And instead of having video footage, you, know, you might have someone leaving the court. That's fine. But it will be like, you know, um, Johnny Johnny Depp and, and um, Amber Heard, right? So that's a good mm -hmm. example because obviously that some of that took place in the London courts as well. When it was the American one, it was all over TikTok, it was on YouTube, it was everywhere. Video footage of like you know he stood, you know my dog stood on a bee and all this other stuff. Over here, we were like you'd hear like you know Miss Heard took the stand today uh, and stated this, this and this. <laughs> and whilst the the news reporter is saying this, there's like a chalk sketch of Amber oh, sure. Heard yeah. sat in a dock, and you are like, right. this feels so weirdly archaic that oh. I know I will see this on video when it gets to the states. We have the same thing, mm. um, you know, but it it depends. We used to have the same thing, but we still have the same thing, and it depends whether on the laws of the state and whether that particular judge, in some cases, it's left to a judge's discretion. Mm. Um, and there are cases where a judge will say there's, you know, like obviously during the Trump arraignment, you know, mm -hmm. the judge decided to make that stuff private for what, you know, obviously to help Trump in that case. But so, I mean, there are cases like that. Um, but then, you know, but then also we have these segments on like John Oliver where, you know, He'll say, oh, right. And because we're not a, and because you can't make fun of the monarchy by law, this entire segment will be replaced with a man jumping through a hula hoop for 10 yeah. minutes. And you'll say, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's <laughs> not entirely that's not entirely true, that one. Because obviously right. we, we 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 rip into the yes. royal family constantly. But there are there, yeah, there are laws of things you can't say and, and do and that sort of thing. There's a decorum to it all. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, it's weird. You know what? What I getting back to the episode of, of yeah. this thing of uh, the alternates. Like they, they go down these other, other routes. You know, they're trying to use the CG. Um, for, they're the performer, and they're going to map a face over it. So you know, this predicts sort of like uh, deep fakes and all that sort of stuff. Um. But he's, he, you know, they've got this. They, he wants the camera roving so that he can sort of see this thing. One one of the things I was sort of, um, I wanted to get to the sort of the, the nub of this because he, the, the prime minister does do it. He eventually has sex with a pig, and you say this carries through, um, 
and it does sort of go through some of the consequences, but it ends with him like it's it's happened. She's returned, and you've sort of seen um, the public reaction. Like they're all sort of geared up for it. Yeah, it's going to be amazing, a historical event. And then when it takes place, everyone is like revolted and like, oh my god, he's done it. And then it goes on for like an hour for you know obvious reasons, like you know the difficulty he has. And it's the fact that like no one seemed you know they don't show people turning away. One of the things I'm, I was surprised about is it never shows another um, side to the public. Mm. Everyone's jumping on it. The reason down the pub, there's one in the hospital. There's that couple that are sat in bed and the guy's recording it, even though it's it's going to be made illegal mm. to own a copy of this footage. There's no one. Um. There's no character in this story saying this is wrong, this is disgusting, I can't believe that you're watching this, I, I'm going to walk out, I can't watch this on moral grounds. Right. There's no one that's acting as that almost a like devil's advocate, I suppose. And I kind of I find that I kind of find that bizarre. It's almost like they, he wants to show the bloodthirstiness of the crowd, really, but I think it's missing a character. Yeah, it's that kind of like uh the end of that terrible, terrible, terrible movie Braveheart, where everybody's like, "Yeah, kill them," and then they're like, "Oh, this is too bloody for what I expected," um, and everybody has that own their their uh, same reaction. Yeah. Um, and but I think you, you're completely right. This is of and but it's of a piece with everybody being off the streets. Like yeah. everybody reacts the same way, right? Yeah, and I, and I think that's where this sort of the the satire of this episode in particular starts to fall down when it's sort of like, we said about the, the naming of this series as being Black Mirror, like, you know, it's that thing on devices, but it's also very bleak. This has, and I, I find that this will be maybe a commentary throughout, is this has a very bleak um, out, you know, out view, um, mm-hmm. outlook, I should say, sorry, of, of, of the world. I mean, yeah, I'm sure in Charlie Brooker must be an absolute thrill to have at dinner parties. <laughs> But but this is it. It's... But but I don't think so. I mean, I at least not in this episode because the weird thing is that obviously, like the public is bloodthirsty. Mm. You know, I mean, there's so much about this episode that I don't understand. And you know, obviously, the you know the sort of the denotice British authoritarianism, the idea that you can that easily pass the law, pass a law saying it's illegal to have this footage, mm-hmm. um, is also. Like that should stop the episode right there. That's like a completely authoritarian, horrific moment. Um, you know, there are these things like that that should just totally stop the episode and be the focus of the episode that aren't because it's in a British context. But then, you know, to in a weird way, this is such a utopian vision of a prime minister. Yeah, no, I, mean, I agree. I, I, yeah. I don't understand how he he gets erect and and achieves orgasm. Okay, which well, is required by the. I guess there are drugs or whatever. He takes I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, you see, for... you see, yeah, you see him take. I, I assume it's like a you know, a blue pill, like a what's it called, Viagra, Viagra or something. But you're right. Like this guy, this prime minister is, um, seen to be almost as, as a as a hero because a lot of the other characters are all you know vile people. And I'm with him because he's going. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then he sort of does it. He, well, he sort of does it. he does it at the end. And he's you know, 
and then he can't face his wife. And the one thing I want to see at the back of this is because this is a historical event. Like people will be talking about mm. this for a long time. This will change. Well, not not in uh, not in Britain, apparently. <laughs> well, no, but this would. I mean, you know, like consider that this is a terrorist attack. All right, how do you protect future prime ministers from having to do this again? Right. How do you protect other people from having you know from others? people in authority from you so the party that you didn't vote for gets into power so you can you do an act like this okay well just because you don't like their policies well, that's what that's not really democracy that's do you know what I mean like what was the repercussions of this what happened to you know prime minister michael Carroll? did he resign straight after did his wife leave him did he commit suicide like i almost feel like this needs like a you know 12 months later epilogue yeah, well, it does have a twelve months later epilogue. Literally, um, you know, it does have that that epilogue where he, they basically say like his polls are a little higher than they were a year ago, mm-hmm. and he, you know, it ends with him talking to his wife. His wife just ignores him and goes up the stairs. So, I mean, I kind of like the idea that the public just doesn't care, right? Like the public just moves on, and it's like, oh yeah. There was that silly thing with that that pig. Um, so I kind of like that. But I'm also with you that, like, even if the public, you know, if you follow polls, polls don't tell you everything. And no. even if a, you could get a poll that said 75% of the public wants you to screw this pig, the truth is once they watch you on camera screw that pig, they're not <laughs> going to feel the same about it, right? Um you know, they're not going to feel great about it. On the other hand, I mean, I, I think that you would have a, a complex set of reactions, mm. um, all of which would be sort of interesting and possibly more interesting than what we get. You're completely right. I mean, he capitulated. Um, it's going to come out probably that she was released, you know, 30 minutes early. Um, you know, and and the other thing I, I don't understand about the, the ending, I sort of like that it's forgotten and, and nobody cares. Um, but I do sort of, uh, I am bothered by this rift between him and his wife. It seems, it is strange that he doesn't call his wife before doing it. And it seems as yeah. if he's pressured by his people to do it, where they're like, look, the party wants you to do it. The, the crown wants you to do it. You know, the people want you to do it. And I do think there are these moments as president or prime minister where you feel the weight of the office and you basically have to toughen up and do fuck something that you probably, <laughs> yeah, well, fuck a pig, metaphorically, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, send in the National Guard or, you know, um, continue. I mean, I think one of the main ones is the way we get wars continued, yeah, where, yeah. you know, when you have a room full of generals telling you, look, you have to do this, Mr. President. Yeah, um, just take the tough decisions and follow through with the tough act, isn't it, really? Yes. Um, You've talked about this for months. Here are your options. They're so terrible on one side. You have to do this thing on the other. So I kind of like that moment. But I don't understand his relationship with his wife. That she – that we yes. never follow up with a reporter. We never really follow up the wife. And I think with a wife, it's strange that he doesn't call her before doing it. And it's strange that she wouldn't 12 months later – forgive him like obviously people have affairs all the time right he has screwed a pig on national tv 
But yeah. of all the embarrassing things, all of the strains of being married to the prime minister, surely this is not the worst one. No, I mean, one of the things I think that's um, interesting is at this point in British history, I mean, I wonder about this guy, you know, the, the Callow. I often think, like, is this David Cameron or is it um, uh, Tony Blair? You know, it's that thing. But we, one of the reasons that Tony Blair ended up sort of having to sort of leave office because we went to war in Iraq, obviously, sort of that thing with you know, George W. Bush was when the whole it came out that um, weapons of mass destruction, oh no, there isn't, you know, and they, right. they, they lied in a, uh, a, a dossier of information. And so we've had sort of things of like um, disgraced prime ministers having done things, you know, and, and been involved in corrupt item acts and stuff. And you're right, we do sort of, at, at, at first, we're like, that's disgraceful. And then 10 years later, we're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe it wasn't so bad. It was it was, it was was crap at the time, but he had his good points and all this other stuff. So it's complex. Um, and I, I understand, obviously, this has got budget restraints and time restraints and other pieces. But, like, one of the things that's interesting about this is I think – it, it comes back to that thing. We, we often say this about Doctor Who is I'd be more, I'm more interested. They do have those sort of um, public proxies, those characters in the public, but they don't, they're, they're not, they're more just there to provide some sort of info dumps at times. They don't actually seem to, they don't convey like a public sense to me, like a public debate mm. or a, um, a true representation of what I think the British public would do. They're more a bit of a, you know, this would be gross kind of thing. It's more like a a, a, a weird <laughs> Greek chorus. It's, it's I don't understand hmm. it. No, that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. And, and I sort of feel as if the um, there's a sort of from the outside. I sort of feel as if there's a complaint being made here. Uh, maybe maybe Blair. Um, I don't know, maybe Brown, but certainly Cameron was kind of perceived as the, you know, follow the polls, you know, sort of yeah, like yeah. That, sort of safe kind of uh, guy who just, you know, like would, well, would fuck a pig if, if yeah. you know, the polls indicated. Well, it. The, the, the suggestion was there was other, other animal based things in his university years, but that's a different mm, story. That's true, right. Um, which I think is that came it, out after this, though. It, it did, yeah, yeah. But again, like, who knows what's known behind the scenes? Um, but again, like, you're right. That that's why I often think of Cameron in this role because of that willingness to shift with the will of the people a little bit. But he seems mm. to fight against this. One thing I will say is, and this is the only time I think this has come up. Like, we we in this country do like our, you know, there's um, Armand uh, Anucci um, did a program called The Thick of It, which had. Um, Peter Capaldi, which is a fantastic character. Um, if you think the office, you know, the original office is sort of like awkward, go find the thick of it with Peter Capaldi. It's it's wonderfully um, his his use. The fact he became Doctor Who is amazing, considering mm. how he started in this show and the, the the use of his vocabulary, the use of swear words is amazing. But we have similar things in in that, like not to this extent, but this idea of the sort of the the games that are played in politics and how sort of people are perceived and all that other stuff. But the also, this made me think of, and again, this will be the only time I mention this, but any, any, I think with any of these shows is yes, 
minister. In fact, it was an episode of mm. Yes, Prime Minister. There's an episode of Yes, Prime Minister where a young girl's, a little girl's dog gets stuck on a um, military artillery range somewhere in sort of like Surrey. And um, eventually when sort of, the Prime Minister's like, well, we can't waste money on it, can't waste money on it, uh, Prime Minister Hacker. And everyone's sort of against it. And eventually, because the public are so against uh, so against him for not doing anything, he ends up rescuing this dog uh, to basically distract from something else that's going on. But weirdly, the comeuppance of it is that it cost him like it cost him a fortune to rescue this dog, and he's now going to confess the budget and all this other stuff. Mm. Um, that to me, some weirdly feels a little more on point with, you know, this thing of, like you said, the extremes of having to, di- like, screw a pig. But, like, because of that extremeness on it, it seems a little bit silly. I don't know. It feels a bit silly. Mm. like So because there's been other versions of this previously in both the thick of it and uh, Yes, Prime Minister, like, I feel a little bit, oh, yeah, this is not, you know, I've seen this before and it's been done better almost um, mm. in a different way. Anyway. Any last thoughts? We are coming to the, we're coming to time. So, any final thoughts for um, the national anthem? No, I think this is a a fair episode. You know, it's it's a it's an acceptable opening. You know, it's it's interesting. Obviously, everyone remembers it. Um, I like some of. I like that they're going for it. I mean, I, I mm. like that this is a sort of grenade lobbed into British culture. You know, yeah. it's not a very precise grenade. It's you know, as grenades tend not to be. I mean, it's it's crude. It's not. It's crude not just because of the pig, but as a cultural commentary. It's not in control of itself, but it is willing to say, "We're going to go there as a show." And I do really like that, even if I am less impressed with the episode. Yes. No, I agree. As a pilot for what this is, you know, a bit of a statement of intent. And as I say, a bit of a sort of a, to create that shock uh, value. I think it works. Um, It definitely got people on the hook to watch the rest of the series. Um, And I, I, I do wonder if, because the next two episodes are, are a lot more science fiction based. If not only was this shocking, but this was almost like a, uh, an easier pill to swallow mm. to get a, a more mainstream audience in 2011. I don't know. That might, um, I can imagine that being a discussion. Anyway, let's wrap up there. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the black mirror. We've covered our first episode. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, especially this first episode, uh, or have you just jumped straight to the Netflix episode? Have you seen it at all? Um, is this a uh, cutting satire of the British politi- political system and its media uh, infrastructure, or is it just a pile of tosh? <laughs> Let us know. Um, please find us on uh, at Pod Time Space um, and you know contact us or. If you really like what we're doing, leave a review on any of your podcast catchers and check out our Patreon, uh, www.patreon.com forward slash 20CG Media. Um, there'll be a link down below. Um, but yeah, okay, we will crack on. It will continue with season one of Black Mirror. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. And we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>